back to another episode of the Stormed Out Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 20,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Robert. Hello. And we are here with another adventurous weekend in the world of competitive Warhammer. Updates from around the globe. We even had a little local RTT to talk about. Um, but the key thing still remains consistent is, wow, Eldar is still mighty powerful. Yep, some would say overtuned, some would say broken, and then optimists would be like, "Nah, they're perfect." No, those are those are the bandwagoners that say they're perfect. <laughs> but there's a lot of things that can happen in this game. Like the rest of the field is actually a pretty nice mix-up from what we were able to see out of the four events that we found that happened over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. I know the previous weekend we talked about in our last episode something to the effect of Eldar won as many events as uh, the, the every other codex combined. So it's just like, oh, that's not. It's a bit of a about imbalance there. So um, it's hard to tell. How, I mean, I do not envy Games Workshop in this position of how to fix the problem. I think it's more than a points to week at this point. Yeah. But in other news, I think we should remark on the odd quietness of GW. Indeed. So, yeah, it's been the start of our show. We try to cover news uh, items from the Warhammer community page. Warhammer 40K has been seriously absent. Um, I think there was one article this week of note, which uh, <laughs> Ray actually commented on it uh, behind the scenes. And I just looked at it like, did you read it? And um, so uh, the all the kill teams that, that were previously in box sets are now available as individual individually mm -hmm. sold. And they had an article you can use them in 40k. I'm like, oh, cool. They have some new rules. And no, they don't. So if you want the Beastmen, uh, they already had a data slate in the index, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, if you want the Inquisitory uh, Henchmen, they also had a data slate already in the box. It's like, cool. If you want to use the Votan, I guess that was the one new weapon that they had mm -hmm. was that Votan thing. And then my favorite, yes, I know it's about my army. Capolite Warriors. Yeah, those models make your army look fancy. But they're still Capolite Warriors. They're still Capolite Warriors. I'm like, uh... but beyond that, yeah, um, we saw revealed while ago the you know, new Tyranid models. We know there's got to be a complementary Space Marine group. Uh, I haven't heard hide or hair of those. We still haven't seen a Tyranid Codex. Uh, not so much that I'm excited about the Tyranid Codex specifically, but just to see what a 10th edition Codex looks like, nothing. Yep, a bunch of crickets, because it's definitely the, the week of... Here's Age of Sigmar, here's Kill Team, here's Horse Heresy stuff, which I actually saw this on Facebook. They have released two different poses of the same Imperial Fist Praetor. Oh my. Oh it's my. very funny, but it's not relevant. <laughs> not relevant. Not relevant. I even saw some, yeah. I think there's been more Blood Bowl than 40K for the last four months, four weeks, excuse me. Yeah, because maybe a couple days, like a couple days or a week after the Meta Watch for 
40k they did the metal watch for age of sigmar and i haven't looked at it but i'm not going to because you know Age of sigmar i don't regularly play that enough to care but yeah the the eerie quietness of 40k is a little little spooky because that probably means that they're either going to do model reveals for space marines or they're going to do a codex review for the tyranids and we still have nova right around the corner so 10 days from this recording uh, august 30th those who are keeping track that is the next super major event so usually they do a product review at or some sort of preview at nova open so we'll see what that happens um yeah hmm. not sure what's going on here I mean, they could possibly just be waiting for the Nova Open to do the, the Space Marine reveals because of the fact that the the first reveals were based off of that Crusade event. Whoever won got revealed first. Yeah, maybe. Don't know. Actually, now that you mention it, um, have they released the 10th edition Crusade stuff yet? I know they talked about it. Yeah. the If you got the Leviathan box... The Crusade rules are in the big fancy rule book. Okay. I don't know if they're in the normal core book, but there's also the Tyrannic War Crusade book that they released separately. Okay, that, I missed that. Yeah, it released on the same weekend as the core book. That's what I was what I didn't know if they had released it separately yet. Okay, fair enough. And I can tell you, literally nothing changed. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm kind of glad about that because I actually, what little I saw of it, I thought it was a pretty cool system. It was a lot of bookkeeping, but it seemed like it was kind of cool. So Yeah. But like Eric was about to say, we're here for competitive stuff, not narrative Indeed. complaining. <laughs> hey, listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies then look no further than KR cases that's right this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases they're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament you can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out they're sturdy the boxes help protect your models and if you when you order they come fast the order is right and for a better price than the other guy so go to krcases.com and when you place your order be sure to mention the exterminators podcast yes and it's a busy weekend so uh let's let's dive right into it what do we have well let me roll a D4 to see where we're going to start. Uh, da, 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 da. Well, does we're going to start with gateway. Does it actually roll, or does it just kind of flop on the one side? Eh, it bounces. But my mental D4 landed on the gateway open that happened out in Collinsville, Illinois. Excellent. So it was a 70-person event. Nice, healthy number. And the top five very much looked like this. I really wish it was more mixed up, but we'll take it. In fifth place, we have Benjamin Fredrickson with Eldar. In fourth place, we have Connor Johnson with Thousand Sons, so another kind of boogeyman that's floating around because no armor saves. <laughs> so says Cabal Points. 
in third place, we have Ryan Verbeck with Tyranids. So that's the that's the end of the mix up there, folks. In second place, we have Austin Howald with Eldar. He was the one who actually tied Ryan in round five. And in first place, we have Brent Simon also with Eldar. Interesting. Okay. And I'm going to... Yep. I'm going to take a look and see if anything changed for this Eldar list. I don't think it did. That's one thing I was hoping to hear out of WTC since our last recording is uh, a lot of them mentioned that they felt that Gene Steeler Cult got exposed and has been solved. Like people figured out the counter for Gene Steeler Cult because overall Gene Steeler Cult had a uh, below 500 record at the WTC. Did not hear the same for Eldar. So I don't know really what the answer is if you go up against them, if there's a particular faction that actually does well. The kind of thought process was Necrons with Lich Guard blocks are strong enough to hold them off, but we'll see. I don't know. I haven't seen that on a consistent basis. Yep. So looking at it, this guy clearly brought the the one Wraith Knight variant, but he also, the small change was he brought three Night Spinners, so a whole lot of anti-movement, so that way he could take advantage of the Wraith Knight just being able to shoot stuff all game. Hmm. But congratulations to all the top finishers. It is still no slouch to go five and one, five oh and one, or undefeated. <laughs> Indeed, but it's still an accomplishment. So, mm-hmm. and then any me, mighty mo. I think we're going to jump over to Canada for a okay. very. Fam- yep, we're going to go up north. It's going to be real cold, although it'd be pleasant this time of year compared to right now. For a, a familiar name of the capital city, Bloodbath. Say that name five times fast. It's a bunch of fun. <laughs> so Ontario, Canada. Yeah. Well, Ottawa, Ontario, Ottawa. Canada. Yep. Sorry. Like their their weird way of phrasing addresses because they're Canadian. <laughs> they're just much more European than we are. So. We oui, we oui. we know that's French. Anyway. It, so the top five. Again, a couple of mix-ups, but nothing major. So we have Eric Marcou with Asuriani, so Eldar, whoop-dee-doo. In fourth place, we have Matthew Solros. Hopefully I said that last name right. I probably didn't. Solurus. There we go. With Deathwatch. In third place, we have Nick Jagiello with Necrons. In second place, Zach Kamel with Eldar, and then first place, Tim Dietlefs, also with Eldar. Yeah, Tim's fresh off the uh, Canadian WC team, uh, so not surprising there. So, But my, oh my, my, I spy someone coming in seventh place, Mr. Ridvon Martinez. Just wondering how he did, okay. <laughs> yep, he went five and one with Dark Eldar. Clearly, they're broken. Breaking, you know, busted up now. <laughs> Mr. Archon Scarry himself. Yeah, he's he jokingly put the uh, the Necrons have been put to bed. Overlord Scarry is, is is done. It's back to Archon. So, <laughs> although it's 
the the top ten is let's see one two three four five literally fifty percent of the top ten are all Eldar. Wow. Wow! 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 Yeah, that's a problem. But two of them were Gene Sealer cult. Ooh, interesting. Spooky. Well, our visit to Canada is done. Um, we are gonna come back down all the way to Baltimore, Maryland, for another mm. batch of familiar folks. Yeah, what, what used to be the U.S. headquarters for all things Games Workshop. Now it's been taken over by a bunch of goons. <laughs> yes, the the Goon Hammer GT, a nice solid fifty-seven, no, fifty-three players, if my math is right. Yeah, okay. But this top five is definitely more of a mix-up because in fifth place we have Tony Phillips with Custodes, so I'll have to peek at that. Fourth place we have David Adelman with Yunari. So specifically Yanari, not Eldar. Interesting. In, th- in third place, we have Sean Reynolds with Death Watch. In second place, we have Ken Knox, also with Death Watch. And then first place is Matthew Burgoon with Yanari. So you got two Xenos Hunters and then two variants of the craft world. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's actually refreshing to see. Down in ninth place, um, Jeffrey Claudner made it with sisters. Wow, there's an arm we haven't heard from in ages. Mm-hmm. And Taylor Arluck finished just above him with orcs. Mm. So yeah, the the only actual normal Eldar craft world list is all the way down in tenth. It's very interesting to see how different they are. Where you've got one where you've got five of the top ten is Eldar, and then you get another one that doesn't even barely cracks the top ten. Wow, very interesting. Okay. Yeah. We know a lot about the Goonhammer uh, terrain because they posted it on their uh, website, uh, their news group, and it's pretty much a, a close approximation to the GW layouts. So, hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to follow a certain honorary Scotsman over to Salt Lake City, Utah for the Salt Lake Open. And if you guys followed the WTC, you'll understand the joke that I'm making once we list off who actually won this event. (laughs) So in fifth place, we have Grant Eklund with Eldar. In fourth place, oh, this man. This man is coming after my heart. It's old man Rich Kilton. There he is. He's playing Custodes. What? What? He is literally fulfilling the joke of an orc in a custodial armor suit. <laughs> oh, I'm still. Oh, what happened to the orcs? What happened? They're just in custodian armor, Eric. It's okay. <laughs> the gold ones hit harder, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They're just better flash kits. In third place, we have Evan Stump with Eldar. In second place, we have There's Cody. another one. What happened to the Knights? Evan, what are you doing? Stay on brand. Oh. <laughs> in second place, we have Cody Giroux with Eldar. And then in first place, all the way from Scotland, not really, is Ben Jurek on Smite Club 
with Eldar. Yeah, he's having a bit of a year so far. So, yep, and he did. He made it official that on Sunday when he attended the event, he busted out the hat, the kilt, and he was Laird Ben McJerk. <laughs> Yeah, I love how he's uh, really embracing this. <laughs> it's kind of a lot of fun. Well, again, like he just came back from WTC. He just went to Salt Lake Open. And yeah, this is this could very well be the crack out year for Ben, because I know he did really well last season with his orcs and only lost best in faction to Sean Naden, who swooped in with a better record at LVO to steal the best orcs. <laughs> Or it was something like that. It's like no hard feelings, but it was. Yeah. I just hope everybody travels home safe because apparently the uh, West Coast hurricane is on its way to that John Nook there. So I was like, uh oh. So hopefully everybody gets gets home safe from that event. So. Yep. Find your favorite piece of wood. Knock on Mm -hmm. it a lot. But yeah, that's all four events. All four big events that happened this weekend is your beer keg boring does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it well the wonderful makers of the necro nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a another book of the lovecraft cock so they're from reddukegames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to Summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time. And we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table. Because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp. Or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check. If you decide to play in So, if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the madmen at reddukegames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. But We had a little local event here on Saturday, and there wasn't a lot of Eldar. There's, in fact, only one Eldar list there. Yeah, I was surprised by that. But there was three Gene Sealer Cult. Not surprised by that. I even made a joke with one of the guys who's been playing Gene Sealer Cult from, like, day one, and it's like, how does it feel that they overpowered Codex? Like, I don't like the pressure that I actually have to win now. So... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I took my Chaos Knights because I finally got to put the Castigator on the table. The Castigator did a lot of work to stuff, but round one was against Gene Sealer Colt. I lost that one 51 to 100. I I still got 51. It's still something. What What was it about that? That made it hard because it's a lot of people are saying the only reason Gene Silicon is doing as well as it is is that people just don't play into it enough. Or is it really that? St- I'm just trying to get a curiosity that you're at ground level. What would you see there? Well, from a night perspective, because the, we have at this event, we had tried 
GW-ish terrain. So with the very sleep-deprived hands of a certain Eric who should have asked for help. Stinker. <laughs> um, Eric supplied a whole bunch of terrain that didn't look pretty, but was close to the GW standards. And we set up most, if not all, the tables with at least one variant of the GW terrain. And it made a big difference for some people. It didn't make a big difference for most of us because most of the other people were bringing infantry so they could just walk through walls and there was all this other stuff. So they played by the same rules. There were three night players there. <laughs> so we got to break some of those rules, but not all of them. Um, but playing against Tyler and his Gene Steeler cults, the, the problem is if you're something like, let's say space Marines, space Marines, they don't have as many bodies. They have okay armor saves. Um, but when you're shot at by stuff that gets plus one to wound for a stratagem and ignores cover and sustain hits when they appear out of deep strike, well, out of reserves in general, they just throw buckets of dice. It's like playing guardsmen, but with bigger guns. Hang on a second, Robert. What did I do? All right, try that again. So, Oh, did I completely Sorry. cut out? <laughs> yeah, you did. Okay. Well, Try Oof. that again with uh, uh, so when playing when playing uh, Gene Gene Steeler Steeler yep. yeah when playing against Gene Steeler Cold and you're playing something like Space Marines you have pretty good armor saves you don't have as many bodies but when GSC pop up from reserves they ignore cover and get sustained hits and then they can get plus one to wound from a stratagem the, the plus one to wound is a little conditional though because you have to pick two of your units and one of your opponent's units and those two gene stealer units have to shoot at that one target for the plus one to wound and from the verbiage of the stratagem after reading it it's worded as if they have to only shoot at that target otherwise they can't shoot at all hmm. seems like an oversimplified crossfire rule okay well it makes a big difference because when you have a, a neophyte hybrid squad show up and all of the chaff guys are behind a building and you string them out so that way all the mining lasers and um, other strength eight or nine guns are all able to shoot at a at your squad mm -hmm. that can make a big difference because that's made a big difference into my knights because the the seismic cannons that's what it is they do d3 damage so they're pretty okay at killing marines and they're really okay at killing armagers because it's just one model and they roll enough dice to make it scary but okay. yeah so on his second turn when he brought when he officially deployed his army the yeah. the alpha strike is kind of over the top Sure, their demo chargers are only once per use, and they're also hazardous, so the guys who throw them can explode. But that doesn't matter when you have a blob of 20 dudes. Walk so, me through, because one thing will walk by your table, and I was just like, where's the rest of his army? And uh, maybe it's something in the gene steel. But I feel like, like 
they don't have the blips anymore. So I was like, well, where did it? You still have to have half the models on your table, at least half the model units on your table. Did I miss something? Well, so he had two reductor saboteurs, two ridge runners, a a character, well, another character that was attached to a unit all on the table. Mm-hmm. And then it was neophyte, 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 acolyte, acolyte, I think. Like all of his stuff except for the ridge runners and like the obligatory sit around and don't mess with me units were off the table, which okay. You can put five hundred of it in you can technically put 500 points of it into strategic reserves and then another thousand into regular deep strike. But yeah, then there's the still have to have 50% of your points and or models on the table. So I think that one was an oversight on my part because I didn't count how many units he exactly had because he was running around with like five characters and most of them had to be attached to a unit. So yeah, that was probably an oversight on my part. But um, back to the actual gameplay, after the alpha strike from him hitting me, which I don't think honestly would have changed that much because the deployment we had, he would have been able to hide one other unit behind a building. So I still couldn't have seen anything. Um, the, The demo charges are strength 12, which wounds my big guys on fours. With the plus one to wound strat, obviously it makes it on threes. So, and the the normal units aren't the only one that have them. The saboteurs, which are lone operative characters, have them, but theirs don't run out. Mm-hmm. Whereas the normal units, they do run out after a single use. So after he hit me on turn two, it went to the top of turn three. I had the castigator and five of my dogs left. And I still felt like I could take it back as long as I got to shoot at what I wanted, which was important. Well, how did that work out? And what were you shooting at? So I was, the problem with GSC is that you're shooting at all infantry. Like maybe they have a Ridge Runner or two or a Goliath truck or something. But other than that, it's all infantry bodies. So here I am shooting into T3 five up or four up armor save (laughs) dudes. And I just don't have enough bullets. Hmm. Um, The, the castigator did a lot of work though, because because of the minus one to hit that it applies, if it hits you with its bolt cannon, he put a neophyte squad in my back corner and I was trying to find a unit to overwatch with what was more effective. So I took the castigator into that unit. I hit it three times. I killed like three dudes. Those seismic cannons are now hitting me on sixes because they're survivability bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it helped a lot. And so I made the right call there because my desecrator Ben was not useful in that game whatsoever because he turned one killed the Ridge runner True, turn two killed another Ridge runner. And that was it. He didn't get to do anything else. (laughs) Oh, wow. So what I'm hearing then is in a world where the meta is based off of killing big stuff, uh, you know, killing knights, killing large Eldari hulls, 
Gene Sealer cult comes in with Infantry Horde, and, mm-hmm. which people are just not equipped to deal with. So, okay, that could be part of the allure. Yep, and that's where the the main problem lies, where, okay, Index 40k, everyone brings the biggest guns they got because the vehicles are like really high toughness and you have to use stratagems in order to hurt them with little things so just bring bigger guns and yeah that game when he was shooting at me with all of his stuff it's like wounding on fives only wounding on fours if you use the plus one strat and that's where it was a yeah that was really important because knights can stat check Gene Sealer Colt into Oblivion as long as you're okay with losing like one or two knights on that first turn. And then from there, it you just follow the mantra of you shoot at something until it is gone or you shoot at something. Because the other problem is, is that they get to return models to the unit. So you never feel like you're making progress on the on destroying the army until the unit is dead. But then their blip mechanic comes up where they get to bring units back. Interesting, interesting. Okay. So I'm just trying to wrap my head around this army because it's you know it's... Yeah, no, it's a it is a very odd shaped thing to wrap around because you go, Well, if I kill that unit, he just gets to bring it back. Unless you walk within nine of the blip and then the blip just dies. So that's the thing, because the blip can come in anywhere outside of nine inches. So at that point, it's a, you have to effectively kill the thing in their turn to then walk to the blip on your turn to prevent it from coming back. Like it's a, it's a high skill army to play and it's a high skill army to counter. And they mainly win by utterly dunking the primary score in their favor because after turn two, they're able to be all over the place, mm-hmm. which yeah, is the big thing because knights custodes gray knights, they can't be everywhere at once. So Gene Steeler Cola is just going to sit on an objective and just go, yeah, I got what I wanted. When you mentioned the gray knights there, they actually won the event. Um, very similar list to what we talked about last week with Jack Carpenter and WTC. They can't yeah, be everywhere it, at once, but they can get where they need to be. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty pretty close thing to Jack Harpster's, but he, from chatting with Donovan, he opted to not bring the Paladin Brick. I see. Okay. But yeah, no. It, Gene Steeler Colts is not an impossible army to beat. It Effectively, what has to happen is if you're playing on something like GW Terrain, you effectively have to put a cushion of, I am, this building is like six inches wide, so I need to shove myself to be as close to the building as possible, not be inside of it, so that way you're forced nine inches to the other side and you don't get to shoot me unless you burn your... I can come in with three stuff super early. That that's the the thing that I found works, but that's really only doable with um, not towering things, mm-hmm. because the towering stuff they can just go, oh yeah, no, I'm gonna shoot all my guns at that thing, and I go, well, poopy. <laughs> <laughs>
but yeah, no, I, there was a slim chance of me coming back and taking it if my if my third turn went well. But otherwise, it's just a it's always been a rough matchup for knights because again we can't be everywhere at once and we only have so many bullets. Wow. All right, what was round two like? Uh, round two was definitely a more enjoyable game. I almost had to play into Gene Steeler Cult again. <laughs> but the the round pairings got swapped around and I ended up playing into Sisters. And that list, oh man. If you were going for fluffy army list, that guy would have won. He had Celestine, he had Judith, he had the Triumph of St. Catherine. He had every single named character except for like the one random like Sergeant Cannoness character or something. <laughs> Um, but that one was deployed on Hammer and Anvil, and I got to go first. So, and that was a mission where the the misinterpretation of terrain actually came into play in that game. Because in the setup that we were playing on, there's these small L's that have a crater or some kind of small building attached to it right at the corner there. And by all terms of ruins, the entire silhouette. All right. Another hit another drop. So go back to bah. oh man, if you go based on uh, army lists, and then it just went R two D two on me. Yep. God dang, I'm the one with the gremlins today. Um, Actually, but I think, the, the, I think it's Zencaster. Hmm. But the so it was sisters versus knights. He had all the big characters in there. So Judith, the, the Triumph, and Celestine. And I got to go first. The, And this is where the misinterpretation of the GW terrain came up. Because from talking about it, the little craters that we were using as the squares that were attached to those small L's in the middle of the table. Yep. Those are supposed to be ruins, right? Correct. So if they were actually ruins then we played it correctly where I couldn't shoot through them except with my big guys. Um, from chatting with the TO and some oopsies, people were actually using them as craters. So that means you could just draw a line of sight over them and just mm. bang, 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 bang. So me and my opponent, Alex, we just played them as ruins because it was like, oh, yeah, no, okay, that makes sense. So his army got to hide. Like, almost the entire game. Interesting, okay. Um, but the thing that... I have two towering models. And I have enough movement to get places. So I was able to chip away at Celestine's unit. And chip away at another small unit. And it was very much the sister's problem. Their T3 with a three-up armor save, almost every gun in my army wounds them on twos. I can relate. So, by the end of turn two, he lost his Evasaur Assassin, Celestine's unit was basically dust, and he didn't have a lot left in the middle of the table that could push me off of it. And yeah, by the end of my third turn, it was legitimately... Here's your one squad with Draxus. 
here's this one Zephyrim that I left alive, and then your deep striking units. Yeah, I find it curious. It's just you've got a T yeah T three three up saves, a very similar you know they still have the miracle dice mechanic, very manageable army as opposed to Eldar, which also T three, generally four up saves, similar miracle dice uh, power, completely broken. I think that might be a good place to start to figure out how do we balance this army. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that would definitely be a start. Also kind of look confused on a... It's cool that he could hide his whole army in the type of terrain setup, but sooner or later, this is not an addition where you can stand, stand back and shoot. So I'm kind of like, how much of that was he needs to come at you that may have cost him the game? Well, he did come at me as carefully as he could, trying to hide behind buildings and such. But the, the problem was my mobility could get around those buildings and I could just exist wherever I wanted to go. Interesting. Okay. So, which is, I think, because a lot of times I heard a lot of concern with the, from the other Knights players of just moving around all the buildings because of the way GW has their uh, ruins set up. They almost felt like it was a, it was a little, little too city fight for their liking, which I was kind of like, look at the army you brought. So, Especially yeah. when we built the ruins that are four inches tall, so those the big robots could actually step over those. Yeah, and that is definitely something of the movement for the for um, armagers and war dogs. They can't move over the buildings very well, but they're fast enough that they can tuck up into the buildings and have their base entirely in the base of that building. Okay, so that allows them the ability to shoot out of them and also be shot at. I didn't drop out, did I? Nope, you're still there. Okay. Okay, cool. That's why I was I'm paranoid about that now. Yeah, me too. But the um so I guess it was just a mentality of how can I operate my night army effectively and not feel super frustrated. Because yeah, with all of the terrain placement was approximate because the bases weren't exactly the right size yet. I know that was something that you still had to work on. Yep. Yeah, we'll get to that at the end of, the, uh, end of your report here. So, Because uh, we some changes, we had some good debrief from probably half the field. And uh, it was very consistent, so that made it very easy. But yeah, keep going with the, your gaming and sisters. Yeah. So yeah, it I, I blew them out 98 to 46. Or something close to that effect. So it was just an utter trouncing, to say the least. Okay. What mission were you playing, just out of curiosity? Um, we were playing Sites of Power. Oh. That should have been one he would have dominated on with all the characters in his army. Well, in my in my knights list, I have four characters. I still hate that. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so my knights army so confusing. <laughs> well, it's it's because they made the stalkers the ones that have a melee weapon and either a chain cannon or a meltagun. They made them into characters. Okay. So at that point, they're super fast. They can touch the no man's land objectives. And that primary can get real out of hand real fast. Indeed it can. Okay. Interesting. Uh, round three. 
I got thrown into Death Watch. And that one was very much a, well, we need to fight over objectives. There's only five of them. There's nothing special because it was taken hold and chilling rain. Nice. Um, I had to go first. The guy deployed his army super reserved on search and destroy. I barely got to fight an infiltrator unit with a carnivore. That's how reserved he deployed. Oh my. Mm-hmm. And then he comes in, doesn't do a whole lot. I attempt to move around and screen out his um, hell blasters. And yeah, it just became a war of attrition because, okay, here's my help. My here's one hell blaster squad. Here's another hell blaster squad. Here's three inceptor squads with plasma guns. And I'm just like, well, this guy's taking the plasma fix everything mantra a little too hard. <laughs> Tick duct tape. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it was it wasn't a bad game. I lost seventy to ninety. Um, I could have swung it back into my favor if I had been better on my command point management because I had a carnivore in a prime position. If I had two command points to do the ghost knight walk so i just walked through a building Ooh. and then it was a really easy charge into his veteran unit with his watchmaster in it and if i was if i had an extra command point to do tank shock into that unit then the combat that i would have had would have probably iced that unit and then my war dog consolidates onto his home objective. I get capture enemy outpost for eight. And I prevent him from scoring an extra point on primary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one was, there's so many opportunities. Uh, that ghost walk strategy, that sounds pretty awesome, actually. And yep. In, in lieu of the terrain setup, too. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. So. Yep. For one command point, I can make one big guy or two dogs be able to ignore terrain and other models while they're moving or in the charge phase. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. It was originally like two command points and you can only do it on like one thing. That's a bit of an improvement. That's really cool. Yep. And it was attached to a specific night household. So (laughs) yeah, I don't miss that. But yeah, no, otherwise I, I was just there having a nice time playing my nights, just getting in some more reps before the Smite Club open. Which tickets are still available, and uh, they will, we will not be using GW Terrain. We'll be using the terrain that uh, we've always used at all our Smite Club and uh, Scorched Earth events. So the, uh, the usual, and they've actually been working on some new pieces because uh, we're already up to over 80 players, so we're adding a couple more tables. So looking forward to seeing all of you there. But if you've not bought your tickets, go ahead and grab them now. There's still some available. And if you for sure aren't able to come play for two days, definitely at least come and watch if you can. It's always a great time to come and watch events. You get to meet people. You get to see all the different faces of the community. I know alone at this event there's going to be people playing age of sigmar 40k marvel crisis protocol 
Uh, I think they slapped an infinity event in there somewhere. So yeah, you get to see a whole bunch of different communities and meet a whole bunch of different awesome people. And really good time. Yeah. And it means a lot to everyone in the community to have people come see this wonderful hobby that we all play and sometimes take a little too seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Every once in a while. So, so yeah, uh, for this past RTT, uh, I I decided, um, so it was literally, I think the four weeks ago we had our previous RTT event and that's when Games Workshop dropped the, uh, I just blanked on the name of it, but the document that basically unveiled, this is how you should be running tournaments in 10th edition. You should be running these, you know, pretty much here are the missions, mostly running Chilling Rain, but it also Mm -hmm. gave out the terrain uh layouts and at the time uh kind of talk with our local to says hey do you guys want to move forward with this and uh, a lot of people are like so the group was kind of split half the group was like no we'll just use this my club terrain and uh player place terrain just like frontline gaming does uh the rest of the group was like let's see what other tournaments are doing and that's one thing why i wanted to glad robert brought up the uh goonhammer event in baltimore because they are running a using some of the GW terrain concepts, but using their own terrain pieces in place of things. So there's basically all that means is some of the center's ruins have been replaced with stacks of armored containers. So they're thick walls. Mm-hmm. So what uh, originally the, my plan was to, yeah, let's get uh, as many GW uh, terrain sets out there so we could play test it and see what makes sense. Doing that in four weeks for 12 tables was a daunting task. <laughs> so I was able to produce four tables that were, I would say, 80 to 90% of what GW has on their uh, layout. And now we're using layout number three for those of you scoring at home. And then the other tables, I was similar layout, but I was using pieces from my existing collection. So it was very similar to what they did at um, for the Goonhammer event. And it's interesting, uh, the tables 5 through 12 definitely had different feedback. So you mentioned the crater issue. You also, the ruins were a little bit larger than the bases. That caused some movement issues. We'd addressed that in the preamble, apparently just like in a, a mission packet. Players didn't pay attention. So that created some feel-bads for a couple of players. I do feel bad about that. But, um, you know, it's a... It's a <laughs> As a TO, you try to develop the social contract with both players before the game starts. Sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. But uh, long story short, okay, good to know that they can't have that. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, the yeah, the... the overall thing that happened with the spacing issue, because, yeah, we had three night players, which means there should be roughly about four, four and a half inches of space between all the buildings, so that way larger things can walk through them and with the way some of the terrain got set up some people had to shove it around to fit objectives so it eventually became a well now my knights have to walk through the middle of the table they can't walk on the outside and yeah that was an issue for some folks i did not have a major issue with it because i just went into it like it's terrain it's what we are testing It'll be okay. We'll figure it out. It was, but I did hear the feedback from players more than just night players. So that's what I was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that was not intended that way. So that was good to know. Um, definitely, 
even though I followed the maps to a T, one thing that became very evident very early on is the the best, the tallest of the line of sight blocking terrain did not line up with a lot of deployment zones. So got to make sure there's some more line of sight blocking in the actual deployment zones. That's something that will be changed. And then last but not least, there was two pieces. So most of the terrain pieces in uh, the GW are 12 by 6 bases. There's two pieces that are 10 by 5. And in my haste to get this done in time, I just went, eh, 12 by 6, 10 by 5, they're close enough. Huge difference. It definitely opens up the middle um, mm -hmm. a lot. So that definitely created a problem. So easy fix. So figure that out from there. But overall, um, those small fixes like that, I think of that early round, a lot of players kind of got surprised a little bit in that, mm -hmm. okay, the building, for example, there's the two middle pieces. It's supposed to be, if you're buying the the GW kits, it's the Shrine of Aquila. So it, but it's only on the edge of the base. So you still have about three quarters of the base is just exposed. And people mm -hmm. are like, well, that's still ruins, right? Yeah. That means I can't shoot across it. Correct. Oh, so all of a sudden what looks like an empty board suddenly becomes much more congested very quickly. Mm -hmm. I saw it in your Gene Stealer game. The player, you know, they he was lined up for a shot. Says, "Oh, this is a ruin as well." Yes, it is. Oh, those are those little four by six um, uh, pieces. That means if I have to move here to be able to shoot through it, that's correct. You have to move wholly into that piece of terrain to shoot through it. So that worked pretty effectively. And uh, so overall, there was a much more positive opinions than I was expecting. Uh, yeah, it was but ugly. Um, it was but a way I looked at it. get the foundation right before you make it look pretty. So I'm excited to now make it look pretty, and uh, I'll be filling that for uh, you guys to take along in my journey. And I'll go over some of these uh, concepts as well in the, in the video di diary. But um, overall, it went really well. I also experimented with some new material types. Um, some were very successful. Some were not so much. So that's okay. Um, learning how to, you know, some new ideas on how to make the terrain as well. Yep, it is definitely going to be a adventure in making terrain, making it functional, making it work to the best of our ability. But it is going to be a fun time nonetheless for the people that actually want to try and have fun making terrain. Because otherwise, yeah, not making terrain is not fun. It is very tedious and very boring. Oh, I disagree with you, sir. <laughs> true i have fun painting terrain i don't have fun building terrain i love doing it so it's a lot of fun uh just it always has been you know, from a very early that was it was a great experiment but also it's the very much like list building you're trying to solve this puzzle of what's the most effective thing and it was glad i mean a lot of my time went into that and i was glad to see that um mission, I wouldn't say mission accomplished, but it was definitely, we were on the right track and I'm glad we, I took the time to be like, okay, let's take the risk and hey, can you guys take your Saturday to help us out with this? And uh, so I was very thankful that the players went along with it and were as positive as they were about it. So, mm -hmm. But yeah, otherwise I think that was pretty much it for this week. Uh, indeed, but uh, a quick, I can't believe it, uh, the ITC rankings 
have finally been updated. <gasps> Le gasp. Le gasp indeed. I was blown away. So, uh, your ITC top 10, the first of 10th edition. Now, whatever reason, they are still combining uh, the 9th edition events from earlier in the year. So, this is going to be a little bit skewed. But uh, starting in 10th place, Sam Procopio from Canada in 10th place with 1,242 points. Innis Wilson from Scotland uh, brings in 9th place. Ben Sherwin from good old USA uh, in 8th. Christopher Radford, I don't know who you are, but congratulations. You're in 7th place. Wherever you're from, we love you. 6th place, uh, Ben McDurick. Not sure if he's... American or Scottish anymore, <laughs> but he's still in sixth place. DJ Lanigan from the USA in fifth. Brian Seep in fourth. Brad Chester also from America in third. Josh Roberts from England in second. And your leader also from England, Manny Chima with 1,441 points. All players do have six events that are scoring. So just over 200 points separating 10th and um, first place. Yep. And that brings us back to the, we are just over six months away, I think, from LVO. So we get to start the six-month race. I think we're even closer to that. Um, four and a half months, maybe? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's August. I can count. <laughs> so, yeah, the race is on for LVO. Getting close there. So we'll start doing the breakdown. I think it's going to be very interesting to see which of these top 10 players can adapt to that edition? Obviously, Mr. Ben Jerk clearly has. And mm-hmm. um, I was listening to Ennis Wilson in his exploits at WTC. He's pl- mostly playing Space Marines of late, a uh, very Terminator heavy list. So, curious to see that, um, how it all progresses, but as these players kind of evolve. But also, we'll be seeing, hopefully, uh, the new 10th edition codices coming out. So it'll be very interesting to see how that also changes the landscape. And of course, we are still due for a Dallas Spade slate in September. My guess would be the week after Nova. Um, that'd be coming out. Most likely, yeah. So still quite a few changes yet to come. But Robert, anything else to share before we wrap things up tonight? I successfully found more Sector Imperialis 40mm bases, so now my, all my custodes can match fantastic that is that's one thing that's been very frustrating is finding product whether it be at your local game store or um or even just on the gw website i was just like my god where is all this stuff although the funny part is is i'm oh for four and remembering to buy glue Uh, oh my gosh well that's a sticky situation (laughs) and a smelly one indeed indeed so with that bad dad joke, my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast. Yeah.